Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell, and I am here today with a very special guest, a guest you all know if you've been listening to the podcast for, I don't know, about 200, 250 or so episodes, a man formerly known as White Tyrone. I can Welcome. be White Tyrone again. I can be White Tyrone again. <laughs> it just, it, it got hard. It was, you're the White Tyrone, yes, yes. Well, what's funny is... Okay, so uh, if you can't tell everybody, Peyton is is out this week. So I got uh, a, a much better person than Peyton. I got <laughs> formerly known White Tyrone, and we met at Exponential. I don't, what year was that? Do you remember? Ah, uh, it had to be like 2014. Okay, I think it was. wow, it's a while yeah. ago. Yeah, it was like right after Church Show came out, and you were like. Uh, yeah, I'm the only white Tyrone you're ever going to meet. And like, that was how we knew you. So we're like, yeah. Hey, it's white Tyrone, white Tyrone. We kept talking about you on the podcast and then, Hey, uh, uh, don't call me white Tyrone on the podcast anymore. Okay. It's the guy formerly known as white Tyrone. <laughs> See, this is why you remember with friends like Pete and Peyton, you don't really need enemas. So, oh, oh I'm sorry, enemies. Ah. Uh, ah, I see what you did. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough crowd. So, uh, so anyway, what, what I asked Tyrone on this podcast for is I wanted to talk to him about uh, kind of a, a, a facet that if you listen to last week's podcast that, that I did with Dave Negri here on Church Planner Podcast, um, it was our crossover episode that we did uh, between Contractor Secret Weapon and Church Planner Podcast, and we talked about uh, mission as, as, or business as a mission, as a mission field. And so we're kind of continuing this theme here. And Tyrone has been a church planner, a pastor, a missionary, a software salesman, 
a business growth consultant. He's gone through my business growth consultant training uh, a couple of years ago now. Which I still use to this day with everything that I do. Yeah. And, um, and so that, that's kind of the topic that, that I wanted to talk about. And also even the idea of, you know, what's it like going from, you know, being a, a pastor, church planner, which was, you were not full time because you still had a, a regular job, right? Or a regular bivocational job. And then, um, you're not doing that work right now, but you're still a pastor. Like you are still Pastor Tyrone. Like almost every time I hear about you, when I see you on Facebook, I mean, who you are, your walk with God, your desire to share God with others, you take that with you everywhere you go. So I kind of want to look at that dynamic of still being a pastor, but you're a pastor in a different way now than you were before. So, you know, just kind of with those opening thoughts, give me some of your, your first thoughts here, some of your first, you know, things that you wanted to, to share about this whole idea and this topic. Well, you know, uh, first of all, my hat's off to everybody that is uh, is church planting right now or is uh, doing some church revitalization, any, any kind of uh, full-time vocational ministry work. I want to make sure that what, I, what I'm going to say might sound like I'm not behind that. I am totally, absolutely 110% behind that. And I think it's needed, and I think it's needed now more than ever. Um, but you know, what was interesting about transitioning from, uh, doing that full-time, you know, I was a full-time missionary. I was a full-time church planner, but I was also working full-time when I was doing that. So when we were missionaries, I had to work, um, a job so I could have a visa. Now it wasn't, you know, 40 hours a week, but it was enough hours so that I could show that it was actually actively working within that country. Um, and then when we were church planners, I had to work, uh, not only my, my, uh, as a church planner, but then I had to go, um, and get uh, a part-time job or a full-time job so I could make part-time money. Cause that's the, the way it went. And then finally I was like, no, I'm going to do this, uh, bivocational consulting work. And I still use a lot of the course material that you provided Pete today, uh, even in my interactions as a, as, as a software salesperson. But, um, you know, I was doing all that. And then I really felt that God called us out of that to go back into corporate America. And part of that is just the realization that, you know, we oftentimes confuse uh, ministry with being a vocation, not a calling. And we're all called to be ministers of reconciliation. We're all called to be um, ambassadors of grace. We're all called to, uh, to, uh, you know, make disciples. You know, there's no super, um, there's no super believers, right? We're all called to this. Um, and so to that extent, you know, God used that time for us stepping out of it to, I mean, what we're doing right now is probably the hardest missions field I've ever done. So. And let's talk a little bit about that. What are you doing now uh, with your family? Let's talk about your family right now, because I think this is a, an interesting story for uh, our, our listeners to hear. So my wife and I had always had a, a, a goal to adopt. Um, in fact, when we were dating, it's one of the things we talked about. Hey, how many kids do you want to have? Um, I had a crazy number. She tried, you know, she made me a little bit more realistic. I was like eight. She's like, how about, how about three? And, um, and as we had kids, my wife was like, you know, let's, let's adopt. And so we had an adoption that failed. And then 
we um, we actually ended up going into um, into fostering, and we fostered a total of five kids. Uh, you know, we had two sets of siblings, and when we I came back into the business world uh, and was able to kind of catch my breath and spend more time with the family, that was really vital time. Uh, my wife and I started praying about adopting again, and we just adopted three boys. They are 14, 11, and nine, and uh, they are. Uh, they're great. I mean, we already have two biological daughters, but now we have uh, a house full of, you know, three boys and the, the house is much louder than ever before. So I don't know if that helps at all, but yeah, that's, that's the story. Where are they from? They're from Colombia. Yeah. So, okay. South America, the so country, not the city. What uh, let, let's, I, I kind of want to talk about this only because I think a lot of people will find value in this in that, I mean, you adopt, a 14-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 9-year-old from another country, take them from their country, their home, their environment, their language, their food, their friends, their school, whatever. I don't even know what the school is like in Colombia. And you transport them to where you're at in South Carolina. How has that transition been for them? Well, you know, the the important part to remember as – as the parent is that it's always harder on them than it is on you because you know, this is home base. So I, the benefit for us is we had been missionaries. So we'd kind of experienced some of that, but uh, you know, for them, it's a, uh, I mean, there's, there's definitely a grieving period. Things are different. Food is different. Um, you know, uh, what you can get is different. Christmas is different. New Year's is different. I mean, everything is different. Mom and dad say no, uh, you know, you cannot do this. You cannot do that. Uh, mom and dad have different rules. It's, it's, it's been a real challenge for them, a real struggle. And so keep them in prayer. They're great kids and they're coming along. And, you know, they're also, they're also 14 and 11 and nine. And so part of it is just remembering they're, they're going to, they're kids they are going to make mistakes. In fact, do you want to hear the great saying we have in our house? Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, we say, necesitamos ser perfecto. No. Que necesitamos? Intentarlo. Which in English is, do we need to be perfect? No. What do we need to do? We need to try and then improve. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's been one of those cool things. God just kind of gave that saying to me and we worked on the boys and now they know it. Even when I screw up, you know, I lose my temper or the other day I, I burned chicken on the grill. It was awful. It was like a crematorium. That's, that's, uh, that's an offense of a, of a, you know, a totally different nature. (laughs) That's right. That's right. It was almost unforgivable. Tell, tell everyone what you shared with me right before the call, because I thought this was a really interesting concept. So in your desire, your goal, your intention to build your relationship with your 14-year-old, you do a special activity with them every week. Tell them what that is. Yeah. So we, you know, um, if anybody here has ever done the uh, uh, love and respect class, he talks about how guys function better side to side. And women always want to converse face to face. Um, and so my wife and I would get in the car and we'd go out for a ride and man, we would just, I would just open up, we'd talk for hours. So uh, we took that lesson and my oldest son and I were just, we were butting ahead. And so I said, hey buddy, I'm going to hop in the car and go for a ride. You want to come with? And he said, yeah. So we went for our first ride was an hour and a half. Now our weekly ride's about half an hour to an hour. And um, we just sit in the car and we talk and Usually I ask him questions about like, hey, how's life different or how is school going? Or, you know, it seems like your brothers are driving you nuts. You can talk to me about it. And um, it's 
he, he talks. I mean, he's not a talker. He's unlike me. He's not a talker, but we get in the car and yakety yakety yak. It's awesome. So I said to him, I said, Hey, this is my favorite time of the week. And he goes, mine too. It was really cool. That is cool. So see the difference between where you live and where I live, you go for an hour and a half in the car and you hit three different States. Yeah. I go for an hour and a half in the car. I go to Irvine, you know, like 20 miles away. That's just kind of the difference between you and me. Don't you have a Dodge Charger Hellcat? Yeah, but it, not a Hellcat, but it, you know, it Is doesn't it Dodge matter. It, it's yeah. the freeways here. I mean, they're so loaded. We're just basically in a parking lot. Well, just, you know, I showed your car to my friend, to my boys. Okay. Because they, they, they have radio controlled cars and they were like, oh, I like the Dodge. I like the Dodge. And I was like, oh, my friend Pete has one. I showed him. You had it on Facebook, you know, out at the range. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, that's great, man. I appreciate you sharing that because, um, I mean, adoption is a, is a, when you adopt an older kid, it's tough. It's tough on everyone. And I think it's, um, it's a very neglected area. I mean, I look at Peyton and I have talked about this on the podcast, the stats of kids that age out of the foster system and what they go through between sex trafficking and suicide, drug overdoses. I mean, it is staggering. It is, it is depressingly uh, just something that'll just make you cry. It's so, it's so bad. So, I mean, I love, what you're doing, you and your family. Um, you know, I, I love the fact that your kids are willing to, to, to go through this, to all of a sudden go from being an all female house to a majority male house. That's well, they're, they're, they're not happy about it every day, but, um, so funny story, boys don't always shut the doors behind them as hard as they should when they go to the bathroom. And that has led to more yelling. That's so funny. (laughs) So, yeah, I yeah, love. Uh, it. I think that's actually a, an area where people they 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 don't see that ministry aspect. We talked about it earlier. You know, um, a lot of times people will see ministry as one thing and work as another thing. Yeah, right. And you know, it's whether it's uh you know First Corinthians chapter ten about doing everything unto the Lord, or it's Genesis chapter one where God tells us to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over everything. I mean. Work is is a is a healthy part of our lives. Well, as part of that, so is raising your family. So is you know taking care of the widows and the orphans in their distress. I mean, all of that's holy, and and um and I, I think honestly that's one of the areas where I'd really like to see the church pick it up. Is hey, I mean, after these boys are out, Rachel and I've already talked about maybe adopting out of the foster care system and adopting a seventeen or eighteen year olds, um, because. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's like the crazy idea of, I mean, just here's a, a random stat for you. 2% of the globe is deaf. 2% of everyone on the earth is deaf. Of the, of the deaf population, only 2% are following Christ. Like, th- there's an active, vibrant ministry we could be doing. The same thing with foster care kids. I mean, so many kids in foster care are not following Christ, and especially the, the 17 to 18-year-old range, because that's when all the temptations of life come upon them. Uh, they've already been hardened. So I didn't mean to maybe take us down that rabbit trail. but No, but I think it hits on what I really wanted to, to get to, which is this idea of you being a pastor and having a ministry 
outside of the traditional way that we look at it in America, which is, you know, you plan a church, right? These are all church planners primarily who listen to this podcast. And okay, great. Now I'm a pastor, right? Because I planted this church or I'm getting ready to launch, you know, I'm doing my thing. And then, but that's not the only way. That's not the only way to do ministry. So talk about how do you live out your ministry in your work, in your job? So like you sell software right now. What does it look like for you to be a Christian and sell software? Uh, So, you know, I think it's the same way that is, uh, you know, just being a Christian and and digging ditches, right? It's it's looking at work and, and realizing that it's a calling. It's looking at work and realizing that it too can be holy. Um, and then trying to follow what God tells us about work um, in your in the workplace. So um, every day I read a proverb, and so many times. In fact, I keep talking about writing a devotional about uh, based on proverbs, and I, I need to just start it as a process. Maybe I, maybe you and I should talk at the end about you keeping me accountable for that. Um, but you know, this idea is so many times God talks about being diligent, being diligent, being diligent not having a slack hand. Um, you know, one who is lazy is, is akin to a, the destroyer, right? It's, it's that sense of like trying to walk in holiness. When I'm working, I try to literally think, how would Jesus handle this job? Right. And, and sometimes I outright fail, right? <laughs> it's a, I yell at my coworkers or, um, I, you know, I, I think very angry, angry, angry thoughts about people. Right. Um, but for the most part, I'm trying to live and work and parent and be a husband as as I would think Jesus would do it, right? That's I guess that's the epitome of being a Christ follower. And the great part is then that's how you make disciples. So um, a couple of years back, I led a Muslim to the Lord, and he was a coworker of mine. And the way I led him to the Lord was he he his dad had been a Muslim, his mom had been a Christian, he was on the fence his entire life. Um, he had almost been killed uh, when he was younger. Um, and just he'd, he'd gone through a really hard time. His marriage wasn't the best. And he saw the way we were working together. And he goes, dude, how do you do this? And I just had a chance to share Jesus with him right there. He came to Christ and he goes to church now and in, his, in the city that he lives in, totally praises God every day. So, so. Is, that, is that the, the, the way, because one of my questions was going to be, you know, okay, so when do you take the opportunity or how do you look for the opportunity to bring Jesus into the conversation? Um, obviously when someone goes to a church, they know what they're going to get there. The problem is, is most people who go to church already know who Jesus is. I guess that's not a problem, right? Right. Right. Um, but if your, your goal is to reach the unsaved, if your goal is to reach people who don't know Jesus, you're not going to be able to do that in a church. Right. It's just, that's not, that's not the world in which we live. You, 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 people who come to church are already saved for the most part. Maybe, maybe, you know, one or two people. And then of course we've got Easter and a little bit at Christmas. Um, you're going to actually reach more people out in the marketplace than you will in the church. Absolutely. So h- how do you, how do you look for these opportunities? Because I know you, right? Like you called me up the other day, left me a voicemail saying some really nice things, you know, Hey Pete, I appreciate you, you know, that kind of stuff. That's who you are. Like, that's a big part of your personality. Like I just imagine you probably got your list of top five people and you're like, all right, this week I'm calling these five people and 
know, saying something to them. I mean, so, so, you know, how do you look for these opportunities to share Jesus with people who don't know Jesus? So, um, can you just one second? Would you mind shutting that door? Sorry, my, uh, my, my youngest daughter is coming to hang out with me, which is totally awesome. And, uh, a couple of the, my other family members are making a little bit of noise. So I was having a hard time hearing. I apologize. Um, so I, I guess, you know, part of it is being purposeful, right? And then the other part is being uh, sensitive. So, you know, it really took about, uh, it took a while for me to be at this job for everyone to understand that I was going to achieve, right? I was going to, um, I was going to do what it took to be successful and that I was going to do a good job. Because people watch your work, right? If you come in and you only share Jesus and you're not working, you have no, these people depend upon each other, right? Within a company. They, they depend upon uh, their coworkers to have integrity, to get their work done, to be successful. Because other people depend upon you, especially in your sales, to you know, provide work that they can then fulfill. So I think that was the first thing I did is I decided I was going to go in and I was going to do as good a job as possible. Because... <clears throat> immediately people are like, so you were a pastor? And it's just like, how did you find, oh, I stalked you. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's great. Um, and then, you know, trying to find <clears throat> places where it makes sense to then bring up Jesus. But a lot of times it was loving them with the love of Christ without meshing Christ. Interesting. And then, you know, as things would come up, <clears throat> you know, um, someone, uh, Someone talked about how somebody in their family was sick, and I'd just say, hey, you know, could I pray them for them? Um, you know, hey, how's your life going? How, how can I care for you? You know, what can I do to help you? Um, is there anything I can be praying for? And then a lot of times open doors. And then sometimes people say, hey, you know, I've been thinking about getting back to church. Or, you know, I've got questions. I don't understand this whole Jesus thing, right? What, what do you believe? And I've literally had people ask me, uh, what do you believe? Like, what are your thoughts on these things? And so we're just going to real conversation. But once again, um, <clears throat> the difference between being a pastor, a full-time vocational pastor, or even working in a nonprofit that helps people, but it's a Christian nonprofit, and working somewhere else is <clears throat> working somewhere else. You got to prove what you, who you are first, before anyone will give you any kind of, you know, uh, benefit of the doubt. Right? I don't know if that makes sense. So if I'm just talking out of my ear. Yeah, no, no, I get it. So do you ever do like any uh, lunches or dinners with uh, coworkers and stuff like that? And, and then use that as an opportunity or I don't, I don't know how, it, how it plays out. So I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. So most times it's, it's in, uh, it's not a, that much is not purposeful. Hey, let's go talk about Jesus. Um, most of the time it is a, you know, you're spending enough time with these people and a need comes up. Hey man, my mom just got diagnosed with stage four cancer and we are at our wits end. Um, would you mind praying with us? Um, yeah, of course. I have, a, I have a coworker who is not a believer. Um, part of it. And, and I'm trying to be really vague because I want to honor sure, people. Of course. Privacy. Yeah. Um, but uh, they almost lost a child. Right. And I was one of the first people they called. And so it's, it's less of in, and maybe, maybe this says uh, negative things about me, and maybe I need to really pray about it. But I've been doing less of, hey, let's go out for lunch and talk through the um, five spiritual laws or the four spiritual laws. I would add a fifth one of discipleship. But, um, you know, walking through the four spiritual laws 
or um, you know, hey, let's let's walk through the Romans road, and it's been more, hey, let's let's walk this through together. And then most of people don't. I don't, you know, I work remotely, so most of them are living in other cities. So literally, I try to be aware of churches that are in their area that they would connect well with. Mm. So. How the transition of going from being a church planner to uh, to not being a church planner and being full time business as opposed to you know full time business and full time church as you pointed out yeah <laughs> it's always right. it's always full time when you're in church um, how did that transition go down as far as friends and family and, and the reason why I bring this up is I know. There are a lot of people who have that fear, right? Maybe they've been planting a church or they're thinking about planting a church or they're like, hey, I'm just not reaching the people who I thought I was going to reach. And they want to get into their community. You know, I think about we've got a, a church planner here locally, uh, Paul Percy, who is known as, or at least was known as Produce Paul because he worked the produce department at the Smart and Final. In fact, he, he quit the job he had at, a, I think he was working at a Christian school and went to go work at the supermarket because, excuse me, he wanted to work in the same community that he was a pastor in. Like, right. he wanted to reach the people. And there are a lot of, of guys who are like, you know, I've been trying to do this church thing and, you know, I'm bivocational or maybe I got a small church and I've been, uh, you know, uh, uh full-time at it, but, you know, we got to go bivocational. And there's there's a sense of fear and there's also a sense of, how do I tell my friends and family this is what I'm doing? And I remember specifically, you called me up one day when you're like, hey, man, um, I'm, I'm closing down the, the church plant and I'm, I'm moving out of Florida. And the sense that I got, maybe this wasn't the, the sense that, that you no. intended, but the sense that I got was he's, he's afraid of what I'm going to think partially because I've been supporting the church financially. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, I bet you a lot of people have a problem with this. Like I didn't, yeah. right? Cause I'm like, dude, look, God called you there while you were there. And now if God's calling you somewhere else, you're somewhere else. I don't give a rip. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's not me. That's God calling you. I got nothing to do with that. So, but that, but I was thinking about that because as we were having that conversation, I was like, man, okay, people have an issue with this. And that's why he's, he doesn't know if I'm going to have an issue with this. That's why he's approaching it the way that he is. You're right. What, what is that like when you have those kind of conversations with, with friends and family? Um, you know, I, I will say that, um, that it went a lot better than I thought. There are a couple of people that are like, oh, I can't believe it. Um, and yeah, then wasn't, I think I remember you saying it, like one person had given to the church and they felt like, Oh, I've wasted money or something. And I mean, I, I can't remember exactly, but yeah. 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 I mean, we, we definitely, there are a couple of people that said that, um, well, gosh, what are you just going to turn tail and run? It was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but the best part was the people on our board who said things like, dude, I think it is. I think it's a wise decision. I think it's, it's about time. You know, in fact, I'd had people begging me. So I had a, a friend, uh, Danny, who said to me, hey, if your board really cares about you, if you're still hustling like this at the end of two years, they'll tell you to, to shut down the church. Like, you can't keep going like you're going. And I, and I told him, Danny, I said, I'm going to do this as long as God will let me. I will continue to press on. 
in a, almost a, in that year from the moment he said that, I had influenza, I had mononucleosis, I'd had diverticulitis twice, I chipped a tooth, and you know, all within a year. Mm. And I was exhausted all the time. Uh, and so it was, it was a really tough thing. So the people that, that were connected, that knew what was going on, they all kind of got it. And the people that were upset, they would have been upset anyways, right? right? Um, you know, we'd had a couple that, that, um, that was pretty upset. And, and I, I understand that. I honor them. I bless them. But, you know, I had to do what God was calling me to do. And, and if, and if I was they just active wanted, in your church or were they just supporters of your ministry in the, the church? Uh, both. Okay. So, so, you know, it was just, uh, you know, um, probably even a sense of an abandonment on their part, right? If they were active yeah. in that. Yeah. yeah. And so there's that sense of, of how do we, you know, how do we make this work? How do we, you know, how do we, yes, I haven't tried, you know, handing over everything to someone else and saying, Hey, take this, run this. And no one said, you know, oh, yeah, we want to. Right. Everyone's. And so that was kind of the difference. Right. I was like, well, OK, let me get this right. You want me to keep doing something that no one else wants to do, including you, including me. Yeah. <laughs> including you. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Them. Them. Yeah. 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 It was um, it was pretty it was pretty rough. But, you know, the truth is, um, I think the ultimate thing is if you're called to it and then you're called to something different, it's it's honoring that. Right. Right. Um, because most people think, hey, I'm called to this for a lifetime. Most people don't work a job for a lifetime, right? Um, and I think, you know, you'll hear pastors say, I had a pastor say to me, well, Moses never retired. I'm like, you're right. You're right. Moses never retired. That's absolutely it. But, you know, Paul moved on from one place to another. Barnabas moved on from one place to another. Um, and, you know, those guys, it was just a different time and place. And I'm not responsible for being Moses. I'm responsible for being me. Right. Yeah. No, I get it. And I I think that's, that's a really tough, tough conversation that, uh, that pastors got to have when they're like, Hey, you know what? Now I'm being called to something else. I'm being, you know, another direction I need to go in. And, you know, I think about my own uh, family, my father growing up, there was a, a couple of different times where my dad had to leave uh, full-time ministry. In fact, that's when he became a, a school teacher and he worked at Juvenile Hall was because I, I didn't know this at the time, but I think uh, the story is that the church hadn't been able to pay him for like six months. So we got wow. six months without an income. And he's like, look, I need income. I got to take care of my family. You know, I got to go get a job. And, um, and that can be really tough for, for people to, to deal with. And there's also this sense of, of failure, right? That sense of, oh, I failed. This is what I was called to do. This is what I was going to be doing. And I dropped the ball. I, I didn't do it. That transition that you made. Hey, hey. sorry. I just want to throw this out here. Yeah. Uh, you asked, what do my family think about it? And so I was like, I wrote a quick note to Bella. I was like, hey, do you want to share like what it what it meant for you when I said, hey, we're going to be getting out of the full time ministry and and moving? And uh, I asked her to kind of keep it short, maybe thirty seconds. But sure. you want to share about that? Sure. Um, it was very interesting because we had been missionaries for pretty much as long as I'd been alive. 
So it was definitely something different, but I knew that we'd keep sharing the gospel no matter where we went, because that's just my dad. My dad's the kind of person, if he sees somebody and he has a Bible in his trunk, he's like, hey, do you want a Bible? Here. God bless. Here's 20 bucks. God bless. Like, I hope God, like, helps you in your life. And there's a homeless shelter um, three blocks down if you need somewhere to go for the night. It's really good. I know the people. Tell them Tyrone sent you. He's that kind of person. So I knew that we'd share the gospel anywhere we went. And he's a big inspiration why I'm where I am today as a Christian. So. Awesome. I'll be taking her to Starbucks later, just so we know. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. All right. How old are you, Bella? I am 16, sir. Great. Good job. Well, that's so awesome to hear. I wanted our listeners to hear that. That, you know, I hear a 16-year-old, their opinion on that, their take on that. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Love you, sweetie. I'm going to have a message. Sounds good. No, that's yeah. great, man. That's that's really, really awesome. I, and I appreciate you taking the time to share all this because that's that's what, what I kind of wanted to give our, our pastors the, the freedom to think about, to understand, to feel, to have this conversation, to talk to their spouse about it, to talk to their family about it is, is sometimes it's... God calls you to something else. Yeah. Sometimes it's time to move on. And um, our number one most downloaded podcast was something, I think it was titled, How to Know When It's Time to Quit. I listened to it. Just, you know. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, it's like, yeah, that is something that is always on the mind of probably every pastor. And certainly the church planner, certainly the bivocational because of that, that dual pull that you've got. But what I, I kind of wanted people to get from this is having known you as long as I have and worked with you, um, doing the training with you, seeing you use all of that information. Now you use it for another company. Um, I wanted people to understand that, that they can still be a pastor in a different capacity. You don't have a congregation necessarily, right? Um, right but you're still in ministry. And, and that's really what I wanted people to understand is you can still be in ministry. And, and like you said earlier, that's actually what we're all called to do, right? Yeah. And realistically, you know, you, you look at the church, you look at the, the guy up there uh, on stage, if he's full-time, he does not talk to as many non-Christians as you do, the guy who's working full-time in the right. audience. Yeah. You're the one that's really got the reach, really got the power. And that's really the benefit of, of being a Christian out there in the marketplace. You know, I would challenge um, everyone I know, every church planner I know, because I was one of them, uh, that sits at a Starbucks and thinks that that's engaging your culture. It's not. Hmm. It's not. Because I get it. it. It gets you out. It gets you, especially out of the office. It's, it's better than sitting in an office waiting for people to come to you. But I really do believe that um, doing some form of work outside of your your church is powerful. There was a pastor in Fort Lauderdale that basically told his entire staff, you all have to have a part-time job. I'll pay you full-time, but everyone here has to have either start their own company or go get a job somewhere else and do something else. And his point to them was, you need to be able to reach the, the culture. One of the pastors, actually, I love this, ended up leaving the church 
and running his company full time because he had something like 10 or 13 employees that were working for him full time that he was helping provide a great living for that he was leading uh, uh, to follow Christ. Like they, they, he did, you know, he was, he was open about his faith at his workplace, but he had as much of an impact, if not more of an impact on all those people and their families and their friends and all of his customers that ranged all throughout Florida, right? Then he did as a, uh, an executive pastor at his church. Mm. And that's just because, you know, and, and, and don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I think, Hey, if you, if you were called to be an executive pastor, please do so. Right. If you're called to be a full-time vocational pastor, please do so. But if you're on the fence and you're wondering where am I at? Well, maybe God's going to use that work, right? Because work can be right. Um, the work that you're doing to reach the lost, right? Interesting, man. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, you know, uh, in closing, I'm going to go back to our, our hardcore church planning days. I'm going to ask you a really important question. You're about the same height as Peyton Jones. If you and Peyton Jones were to get into a physical fist fight, who would win? Oh, gosh. You know, it is so hard. I would. I would, you would. I'm of course saying, you would. I'm just letting you know it couldn't help it. Uh, no, you know, Peyton, Peyton is uh, leaner and more fleet of foot. So he could probably, if he could hold on for a good five, 10 seconds, he would be, he would win. But, you know, if, if I had the benefit of my extra weight, hey, by the way, uh, anybody who's not checked out the how to, Pete, uh, what are you calling it? The AmericasFitnessClub.com. If you've not checked that out, you need to. Uh, I lost uh, 10 pounds and I've been getting the better shape. I feel better. I feel stronger. Um, I, uh, I have to get serious about it because I took a two week vacation. And one of the great things about the program is it's, Hey, you know what? You're going to, you have to live your life Christmas, Thanksgiving. You got to do those days. The important part for us is on this two week trip, I had Christmas four times. So (laughs) So I lost 10 pounds. I won't say how much I gained back, but now we're back in serious with it. So check out americasfitnessclub.com. Hey man, all I can say is I'm down 85 pounds. You look good. I, I tell you, I feel good. I feel I, good. So I see you're doing, you're able to do so much more in terms of shooting. You've got probably a lot more energy. My goal is uh, what's called appendix carry. It's when you conceal carry, but you carry basically with the gun pointing towards, uh, you know, uh, the family jewels, shall we say, you can't do that when you got a gut. So, you know, you got to get rid of the gut. So that's what I tell the guys at the range. Or you just aim it. Well, it's you, you wear a holster, right? But I mean, it's, it, it's definitely appendix carry. It's called appendix carry. Well, so Rachel and I, so Rachel gave me for our, for our Christmas, uh, dancing lessons, right? Oh, nice. Which I, I love. It's great. Something for her and I to do together. But uh, I, I, I thought she'd give me something like that. And I thought it was a conceal and carry class. So I think for maybe for Valentine's Day, I'm going to get her and I a couple's conceal and carry class. There, there you should go, man. Yeah, nothing that says actually, more than that would be a great marketing idea for local ranges. I got to share that on my from concealment podcast, you know, yeah, it's got to have like a, a Valentine's Day shoot with your, your, your honey day. That's it, honey. That's it. <laughs> You know, get a get a dozen roses in a in a box of snub noses, right? Ooh, dude, there you go. 
A dozen roses and a box of snub noses. That's awesome. Nothing better than that. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, Tyrone, thank you so much for being on this podcast. And as a uh, special treat, guys, if uh, you got some value out of this, if you would like to get a transcript of this podcast, one of the things that we're going to start doing is we're going to start giving you guys the transcripts. Um, We're going to do at least this one free. We'll probably move it to a paid service, but right now this is a, a free one. All you got to do is text our episode number, just the number 343, into our phone number. I'm going to put this in the show notes, but that phone number is 562-553-0004. Again, episode number 343 to our phone number 562-553-0004, and we'll get you the transcript to this episode. So that, Tyrone, thanks so much for being on with us. I appreciate it, man. Hey, thank you so much, Pete Mitchell. Can I say one last thing? Please. Oh, boy. Church Planner Podcast, you can't beat it. Now everyone knows where that sound effect came from right there. Thanks, Tyrone. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music